Hey, glad you could join us for Lightning Rounds. This is a podcast where the Bible, culture, and life all get to intersect through the questions that you, the listeners, get to ask us, the hosts, and we get to respond to them. My name's Zach, and with me is... Andrew. Andrew. <laughs> Andrew, you're feeling pretty good today, huh? I'm feeling good. Kind of like a Randy Macho Man Savage kind of day. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Snap it to a Slim Jim. Oh, yeah. You know, Slim Jims are the most underrated snack out there. <laughs> they really are. Because they just, they got the protein. They do. They got the flavor. They're keto friendly. They... Uh, <laughs> a little bit like manna. Like what is what is in what it? Is what, is it? Yeah. what is in it? What is in Tongue and lips. Oh. <laughs> Couple of hooves. <laughs> Just grind the whole thing. <laughs> I think personally, ignorance is bliss on that one. Yeah, uh, don't read the ingredients. No, so yeah. that's a word of wisdom right there. Yeah. Well, you might have just stumbled into this podcast, and you stumbled into season two of Lightning Rounds. This is a podcast of Refuge Young Adults, and we have a lot of fun here on this podcast. And part of part of the fun that we have is inviting unknowing guests to come here, even though they might be a little freaked out uh, by us and talking to a mic in a basement in a church. <laughs> come into this basement. It's dark. <laughs> We promise there's coffee. <laughs> we won't harm you, child. Come forth. Come forth. Come here then. <laughs> we only have good things for you. <laughs> no, British. but yeah, uh, that kind of took a little Lord of the Rings <laughs> turn right there. <laughs> Coming to the fellowship. Oh, but today, <laughs> today we're joined by one of our good friends here at church who leads the high school ministry. And I just want to pause right there and give a shout out to the high schoolers who listen to this podcast. Hey, hey, yeah, hey, shout hey, out. Hey, hey. You, you know who you are. Some of you guys came up to us recently at church and were saying how blessed you were. And we didn't even make this podcast for you. We're just going to no, be honest. This isn't for you. <laughs> this isn't for you. But let's be honest. You made a good point there. When you said you know who you are. Do they know who they are? Or are they just finding out? Maybe. Is that part of you? Part of growing up. It is. Hey, hopefully yeah. you find out who you are. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Watch uh, Boy Meets World or something. Or the pages <laughs> of scripture. Either one. <laughs> one of those two will grow you up. <laughs> anyway, where were we? Guest? Were we enjoying a guest? Okay, yeah, that's right. So we're joined by a good friend of ours who leads the high school ministry here at church. Let's welcome together Matt Mestaz. Yeah. <sighs> Super stoked to be here with you guys. <laughs> Are you? They did allure me with uh, candies and goodies. There's <laughs> more where that came from, man. Oh, man. Oh, man. Did ready. you know Slim Jim, on the ingredients, it says oh, no. mechanically separated chicken? Like, what is that? Wow. <laughs> we couldn't even hire humans to do that. <laughs> <laughs> or it's just such a gross task that we need a robot to do that for we us. Wanna, we don't want to dehumanize yeah. anybody, so we'll just have a machine do it. 
Separated chickens. Yeah, mechanically oh. separated chickens. Well, oh man, that just ruined Slim Jims for me. Yeah, wait a. <laughs> Actually, nothing can ruin Slim Jims <laughs> no. for us. Mm-mm. Couple of couple of Slim Jims mm-hmm. by lake fishing. Oh, is there anything better? <laughs> Surfing, riding the nose, riding the nose, popping into a Slim Jim. <laughs> <laughs> As my good friend Randy would say, snap into a Slim Jim. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Matt. So um, for those of our listeners, some of our listeners know you because you are their high school leader. Yeah. And um, but most of the listeners here might not know who you are. So why don't you let us know where you're from? What's your weirdest hobby? And who do you think you are? Who do you think you are? I I was told to be prepared for these questions. I I find myself very unprepared at the moment. (laughs) They're simple. Who do you think you are? Okay. How do you even answer that? <laughs> well, where I'm from, so where I'm from, for example, is that where I was born or where I reside currently? Where are you from? Hey, we're just the messenger. <laughs> you interpret it how you, you interpret want. interpret it. <laughs> just so you know, there's well, one correct interpretation. <clears throat> I was born in uh, Porterville, California, <laughs> 1989. Nice. Uh, it's in the Central Valley, um, known as the armpit of California. Mm, uh, so. Smells good. <laughs> smells like onions. Uh, <laughs> Is that by Gilroy or Gilmore? Where's that? Oh, it's the it's, garlic capital of California. Uh, no, that. Um, it, yeah, I think Gil, Gilmore. Gilroy. 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 That's more towards the coast, ah, I believe. Ah, you're believe. more inland. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, born Porterville, 1989. You know, I'm 31 years old. Um, reside in San Clemente uh, currently. My uh, beautiful wife, Iris, of 13 years. We have three wonderful yeah. children, um, Eli, Noah, and Bella. And they are, uh, they are a hoot. Mm. Which one's your favorite? <laughs> oh, man, you know. She's going to be like Tom Brady. He's going to be like, the next one. <laughs> the next, yeah, there you go. Yeah. Good call. So let me tell you who my least favorite is. Which is my <laughs> <laughs> Let's start there. Work our way out. Uh, yeah, so <clears throat> yeah, so we live in San Clemente. I've lived there most of my life, and um, such a blessing to, to grow up in, in San Clemente Beach Town, surfing, and and uh, went to middle school or elementary, middle school, high school there, and and know a lot of people, and so it's been it's been a blessing, and um, so that's where I'm from. Uh, what my weirdest hobby is? Wow. Uh, well, so I have three kids, um, as I had just mentioned, and I felt like for a while there, my hobby was changing diapers. <laughs> and so... You got really good at it? You could change anything. You entered the Pampers oh, Olympics. Yeah. <laughs> Done. I have so many crazy diaper stories. While eating a Slim Jim. Oh. <laughs> That's the real story. Have you ever eaten... Eaten while changing a baby's diaper. Oh, That's man. the next level of dadding. Right yeah, there. you know what? I No. No, no. handed change. I think that'd be super unsanitary. <laughs> I agree. You got to oh, be man. careful. Okay, weirdest hobby. Changing diapers. Yeah, yeah. And then who do I think I am? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Choose wisely. <laughs> be careful now. He chose poorly. <laughs> Oh man, uh, I'm a voice. <laughs> oh, oh JTB. Why is way to say, get all Christianese over oh, yeah. here? So you think you're super? You think you're better than us? <laughs> super spiritual over here? Over here with your camel's hair. Trying to say you're just eating <laughs> locusts, locusts and stuff. JTB. Yeah, wild honey. <laughs> Did you? Okay, so is it true that if you eat honey? 
from bees that are in the local population that it will cure your allergies. Is that true? It is. It is a thought that local honey helps. It is a thought. It is a thought. <laughs> it hasn't been proven. I have a, a lot of thoughts. But also, Slim Jims will also cure any That's a allergies too. that you have. There is a thought, a scientific <laughs> thought behind that. Sometimes there is a. <laughs> there is a. <laughs> The word is on the street from my essential oil dealer mm. that you need local oils to help with pollen pollen issues. Oh man! But um, then again, you know who knows? The internet's a weird place. Yeah. You find all sorts of things. Absolutely. <laughs> Kids don't go on the internet. Yeah, that's <laughs> don't do it. True. Unless you're listening to this podcast. <laughs> Unless you're listening to this podcast, go then on the internet go, then to go download on. this podcast and and then stop and then stop, stop there. right there. Stop yeah. there. <laughs> you found all that you need. Yes. Well, Matt, we're super excited to have you on here, man. It's really been a long time coming. So welcome yeah, to Lightning Rounds. Super excited. Super welcome. excited. Hey, Andrew, have you ever um, been praying to God and just saying, God, show me a sign? Oh, absolutely. I need a sign right now. And mm. not like, not like I need a sign in the clouds. Like a sign sign. Yeah. Or a sign sign. Sign sign. On the side of the road, like a sign. S- yes. Show me which way to go. Yeah, kind of sign. Exactly. Yeah, maybe like a church sign, like a, a sign. Yeah, there's some interesting church, church signs <laughs> out there. <laughs> there are. Yeah, and that's gonna be our next segment. Oh no, bad and funny church signs. All right. I looked around the internet, and I had a blast reading some of these. And looking at some of these, and you know, churches can get a little—they uh, can get a little liberal with their uh, <laughs> with their <laughs> with their signage, oh, no. their sign language, if I may. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, maybe you've passed by some and you've seen some. They—they—they're—they're they're hilarious. <laughs> they're funny. But we're gonna read off some of these. They're pictures we have in here in front of us. And um, maybe each of us will take a turn. We'll read it, kind of describe what we see in the in the picture, and and read what the sign says. And yeah, we'll talk right. about it. Here is bad church signs. Why don't you kick us off, Matt? All right. With the first. Yes, the first one. It says the Easter Bunny did not rise from the dead. <laughs> <laughs> take that, kids. <laughs> Wow. How do you explain that to your fourth grader who just learned, like, pretty good at reading at this point? And he's yes. like, why, God? Why? He's dead? I thought you could what do anything, it? God. <laughs> oh, man. Well, to describe the scene, it's uh, it's at a, a West Corbin Christian church. No uh, offense. There's a... It's in front of a Circle K. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Right across from a circle yes. case. There's an American flag in the in the picture as well. Absolutely. Um, it's overcast. <laughs> the we- weatherman now? Oh, really describing the picture. It's it's good one. I think you're missing the point of the segment, yeah. Matt. <laughs> All right, Andrew, why don't you keep us going All right. to the right? Okay, here we go. This is from Princess Street United Church. Mm. And it says, Spooktacular worship with the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Or should we say Holy Ghost? Oh, <laughs> there we go. It's spectacular. Trying to get all relevant with the youths. I like <laughs> That's terrifying. Yeah, come be freaked out from people falling down, <laughs> convulsing in the spirit, being slain in the spirit. It's spectacular. Dude, if someone came up to me and said, come to my church, it's pretty spooky. 
I would go. That would be enough of a draw for me to be like, yeah. I need to see this. Yeah, I'm into this. <laughs> I'm in. Are snakes involved? Are snakes really are freaking snakes. out? They really freak me out. Yeah, yes. it's snakes, feet, and uh, sharks. <laughs> sharks. All three of those things are horrible, <laughs> terrifying things. In life. Uh, okay. Random question: If you go trick or treating, are are you saved? Are you even saved? Are you going to heaven? <laughs> I used to not think so. This year, or should we save that for another? We'll talk about save it. that for another topic. I another podcast. I'm crying a little okay. bit <laughs> because it's been 30 years of oppression. <laughs> I had That's never right. gone trick or treating till this year. Share the story. This Uh-oh. year, we—it was like a thing at my house. I don't know. My parents watched this video on like how evil Halloween was. Therefore, none of us were allowed to participate in Halloween. Uh, but we always had like church lock-ins. I'm sure you guys had church lock-in things. Harvest like festival, trunk or treat, yeah, yeah an alternative. Yeah. Mm. Hallelujah, so, Ween. Yeah, that yeah. Was one. Hallelujah, <laughs> Ween. Yeah, that was a stretch. That was great. Yeah, Yeah, that's pretty up there with spectacular. (laughs) So this year with COVID, with like we couldn't have our harvest festival this year, so uh, we went to we went trick or treating with the kids, and man, I felt liberated. (laughs) Just walk up and people give me candy, dude. It was unreal. Yeah, it was unreal. By the way, Santa Ana takes. They take Halloween seriously. There are some kids with like the scariest mask I've ever seen. You know how kids are like, yeah, Paw Patrol. Yeah, I'm a pilot. This kid walks up with an it mask. He's like six. And I'm like, this is sick and wrong. Maybe this is why my parents didn't let me celebrate Halloween. I can speak from the Hispanic community that we get a little... uh, you get a little crazy when it comes to like stuff like that, like okay. paranormal. Okay. You ever heard of the chupacabra? Yeah. Yes, we kind yeah. of invented that ourselves because <laughs> we love being Is that scared. Why, if there was a spectacular service, you would be we, going. They, exactly. Maybe that's it. Maybe that's it. I, I went, I went trick or treating one year and I got deathly sick after. Oh, and I I, it was, you know, I took my kids candy um, and of course <laughs> began to eat it. And that's terrifying. <laughs> I got I got so sick for like a month. I was sick, and so I, I stopped after that. Considered wow. it a sign. It's a sign. <laughs> Going this back to sign. the segment here. That was spectacular. <laughs> From the Lord. Nice. <laughs> nice. So. Well, let's get back to our segment. We okay. kind of took a little okay. detour there, right. but anyways, next back bad. Let me say that again. Next bad church sign reads: This is from Concordia Lutheran Church. This one says, hipster Jesus loved you before you were cool. (laughs) (laughs) It's good. You know, because all of us were uncool at one point in our lives. And some of us (laughs) some of us are still there. Yeah. (laughs) I'm wearing wearing comfortable shoes now. Yeah, it's kind of like I'm wearing New Balance. (laughs) (laughs) But that is so uncool that it's now cool. Yeah. It's become the anti. It's become the anti. Now you're in trend. Now you're in trend. My wife is like, do not go out of the house with those. <laughs> She's like, you look like Pastor Gary. <laughs> oh, Ouch. no. Ouch. We love you, Pastor Gary. Oh, Pastor cut that Gary. out. Cut that out. Whoever you are. <laughs> Wherever you are. Wherever you oh, are. Thank God Hipster are. Jesus loved us before we were cool. Thank God. No, I'm stoked. Hipster Jesus, Way by the way. Go. What Which kind is, of. What? <laughs> Is that one of Does his Does he titles? have a man bun? <laughs> so he definitely had the beard. Why would... Oh was his mustache waxed and he just... Yeah, <laughs> Mr. Jesus, he's like, 
wearing mandals before. The, yeah. Why would he knows serious. if lo, he knows if local honey cures your? Oh yeah, he your, does. Uh, oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> oh man, your allergies. He he admitted oat milk before there was oat oh. milk. Oh, dude. Go Jesus. Go Jesus. Go. <laughs> All right, Matt. Continue us. All right, moving along. The next sign, bad church sign, is from the Church of Christ, mm. uh, and it says, "Stop, drop, and roll won't work in hell." Welcome. <laughs> <laughs> That's terrible. wow. Welcome. I don't even know what to say. I don't either. In 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 all safety precautions. Stopping, dropping, and rolling. You should do that if you're on you fire. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And all and all we're not against the stop, drop, and roll <laughs> here. We want to reinforce that. But uh But it doesn't work in does hell. It? Doesn't, doesn't work. work in hell. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's what they said to that Lazarus guy who was like, put a drop of water on my tongue. They're like, hey, stop drop and roll. roll. Yeah. <laughs> Cross the cavern. Oh, oh, man. Too soon? I like how they just welcome. It says welcome afterwards. And there's a big space between. (laughs) I think there was an expectancy that that would scare people so bad that they'd be like, we're running into the doors. We got to get in there. Wait, you mean it doesn't work? (laughs) I was kind of banking my whole life. (laughs) I was hoping that that would get me through the eternity. (laughs) Stopping, dropping, and rolling for eternity. Wow. Wow. This. Oh, man. Wow. All right. Next one, Andrew. This is from Heritage Church for seniors age 50 and better. Ooh. (laughs) Are you wrinkled with worries? Coming to church for a faith lift. (laughs) (laughs) That is good. Wrinkled from worries. It's to a senior age church. I didn't even see that when I put this oh one in there. Oh my gosh. That makes it so much better. At least they know their market right there. So good. So good. I can't even comment. It's fantastic. Although I think their Wednesday night service at 7 p.m. starts mm, a little late. Mm, a little late. A little late. It ends with bingo. Though. It, it ends with bingo. It's a wild so. night. <laughs> oh, man. oh no and lastly here on bad church signs this one is from saint mary catholic church the little picture of i can't see if is that jesus or is that saint i think it's is mary. that mary that is that mary mary, mary to me okay that's mary well the sign reads our sundays are better than dairy queen <laughs> <laughs> I don't oh, know. No. I don't know. Dairy Queen has some pretty good Sundays. Yeah, they do. That's pretty hard to beat. So that's a pretty clever play on words there, then. <laughs> Our Sunday, D A Y. That was a good pun. <laughs> oh, man. oh, my goodness. Uh, right. Oh, well, that was bad church signs. into our honest questions and these are questions that you guys sent in to us and we're going to have the opportunity to respond to them we're just going to kick it right off let's all do right this. let's just go straight into it all right okay. here's question numero uno how to be a light in your workplace and other secular areas 
of a Christian's life? Glorious. Wow. That's a great question. That's an amazing that question. That is an awesome question. Mm, I like it. Well, um, so I worked in, you know, as you know, I worked at a, a bank for 12 and a half years, um, mm. and uh, I won't name the bank. Um, so, But you just, did get robbed at that bank. I did. I got robbed times? twice. Twice. Wait, yeah. the whole bank got robbed or just you personally? Just me personally. Oh, ah, okay. Yeah. Right yeah. So that Not was... like in the street, like you were coming out of work. It was like you were actually bank telling. Yeah. And somebody came up and was like... Oh, yeah. Yeah. Came up and just passed a note and, you know, said, give me all the money. Wow. And, uh, yeah, no die packs. You know, I have a weapon and that whole thing. And super crazy experience. You kind of forget, you know, because the bank is, you know, everybody's dressed nice and dealing with money and... And you kind of just forget that you're dealing with money until, you know, somebody threatens you or, you know. So anyway, it was it was interesting. Interesting time in my life. The Lord taught me a lot there. So but yes, I did work at a bank. And so, um, you know, I uh, always kind of struggled with this in the sense of, you know, when do you, you know, and and one of the things that came to my mind as I was reading this question was, you know, you have your works you know, what you do unto the Lord, you know, how you're living your life, but then your your words as well, what you say, and, and kind of balancing that. Because, you know, you don't want to go into, uh, you know, your work and just blow people up or, you know, what, what do they call it today, Bible bashing or yeah. whatever it may be. You want your, your words and your deeds to match up. And Jesus even talked about that in John chapter 10. He's, you know, the Jews came and said, hey, you know, um, you know, tell us if you're the Christ plainly, if you're the Messiah, just tell us plainly. And he said, hey, you know, it's, it's not only what I've, I've told you, but it's what I do. They both bear witness of me. And, and so I think that's a really good example for us is to, is to have that balance of, um, you know, not only being a light in the sense of our, our words and how we speak, but also how we live among our coworkers in those different areas of, um, you know, secular life. And, you know, Jesus said in, in the Sermon on the Mount, you know, Matthew chapter 5, he said that, um, you know, we are the light to the world. And mm-hmm. in, in a sense, Jesus is paying us a huge compliment because Jesus in one of his I am statements said, I am the light and, uh, you know, claiming to be God. And, and so he's giving us this compliment, but also there's a weight of responsibility there yeah. uh, because, you know, he said to let your light shine before men that they may glorify your father in heaven. And so, and all throughout the Sermon on the Mount, if you look, he's telling us how to be light. Yeah. You know, he talked about, you know, really the attitude of the heart, you know, murder begins in your heart, adultery begins in your heart, you know, don't judge one another, um, you know, with um, hypocrisy, um, you know, oh, let your yay be yay and your yes or your nay be nay. Uh, he talked about going, um, you know, the second mile, all these things that we can apply to, you um, you know, where we're at in our workplace, um, you know, going the second mile for somebody, loving on people sacrificially, and, um, you know, again, just being light to the world. And so uh, for me, the Sermon on the Mount is really kind of the roadmap for the kingdom living, yeah. you know, so to speak. And so, yeah. That's good. Yeah. I, I think it's good to, you know, this question is directly asking how to be a light. And I think it's good to define what what does it mean to be a light? Mm-hmm. You know, before we look at how maybe uh, maybe this person's asking of like practical ways or verses like what 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 would you guys say the definition of being a light is? And let me read this scripture which kind of answers it, but and uh 
I just want to hear you guys' take on this. So it's in Matthew chapter 5 when Jesus is, is calling his disciples the salt of the earth and the light of the world. And here in Matthew 5, 14, he says, You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So, being a light, here Jesus is, is speaking here, and he says, he says a couple things. He says, for one, he says, hey, if you're, if you're a light, you're like a city that's set on a hill. Like, you can't hide that. It's really hard to, you know, to, to think of a major metropolis city and, like, hiding that. Like, L.A., downtown L.A. Like, you can't hide something that is that bright and at night. You ever pass through mm-hmm. at night and see the skyline and all that? Um, it's, it's impossible to hide that light. And so there's a call to not hide it because I think as Christians, we struggle with that, right? Mm-hmm. We struggle with hiding our identity because of fear of, of judgment, of not being accepted, and, and just fear of what people think about us. It's a common struggle for us as when we face people um, in the world. So Christ is calling us to not hide it, but he's saying here, um, in the same way people don't light a lamp and put a, you know, put a cover over, it, over mm-hmm. it, a blanket over it. It's meant, light has a purpose. It's meant to extend into a house, as, as Jesus says here, and to illuminate the entire house. Mm-hmm. And he says in that same way that a light, in a sense, is, is set in the middle of a house or a room and it illuminates. He's saying, you let your light shine um, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. And, I, and it's kind of interesting, and you mentioned it, Matt, that Jesus here connects shining your light with good works. Mm-hmm. You know, like being a good person, mm-hmm. like living out the gospel, really. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of interesting that, and and I'm seeing that right now even, and it's kind of hitting me that a big part of letting your light shine in a workplace or in a secular area, it's 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 involving being a good person, being a good worker. I think that would be probably a good place to start is, <laughs> are you a good employee, yeah. you know, or is your reputation shady or ruined by, by the, um, the authenticity of your work or um, how well you you work, you know, work well, you know, in, in Ephesians, Paul would write and would say, Hey, when you work, you don't serve, you don't do it as, as to your slave master or to your um, Mm -hmm. manager or your your employer, but you work as if you're working, um, for God, for Jesus. Yeah. To, to honor him. And so, um, I think being a a good place to start of being a light in your workplace is working well, doing your job well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Being a good employee. I think you're right. I think that speaks volumes. the The context would then be is like if we're light, then we're we're surrounded by darkness. Yes, mm-hmm. in the sense that people are are blinded by sin, like sin is separated from God, and so they're in darkness. So you being there, that's simply who you are because Christ lives in you. You are a light. That's Jesus. His proclamation is: This is who you are. You are salt. You are light. So you being there in doing your job and being a work. like you can't help it it's it's gonna be that you're gonna be a light mm-hmm. because you're gonna work differently your values are gonna be different yeah um, the way that you love and care for your your coworkers and are kind um, 
it should it should be different. So yeah. So yeah, I think that's right. But I think too the word says, "How can you be one?" Acts chapter eight, one through eight talks about like persecution rising up, the church being scattered, and uh, because of Saul of Tarsus and everything. This is after Stephen's been martyred, and then verse four it says, "Therefore those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word," and um, and when persecution broke out, the church just kind of had to flee, and everyone ran in different directions, and God used that to further the kingdom and further the gospel. It wouldn't just be set in one place. And so when they went out preaching the word, they they weren't preaching like, you know, they weren't preaching something that they didn't understand themselves. They were just simply telling what Jesus had done in their life mm-hmm. and what they'd experienced. And so they were bringing Christ into the conversation. I think for us, like, there's so many different kinds of evangelists in the world. Everyone's an evangelist preaching some kind of message, right? There's like the essential oil evangelist. There's like the, <laughs> the plant-based, yeah, the Slim Jim evangelist. There's the plant-based evangelist. CrossFit evangelist. Cross, yeah, everyone's preaching some kind of message. And it's always, and you know, you know that's what they preach because any time that they can bring it up, they want to. Yeah. I think for the Christian, what should be on the tip of our tongue and at the beginning of any conversation that we get into is how can I bring Jesus into the conversation? Yeah. So someone at work is talking about how their mom or their dad or their, their family's having issues and this and that, and or they're tired or they're worn down or they're exhausted or they're unsatisfied or whatever. It's like, well, how can I bring Jesus into this conversation? Mm-hmm. It's like, hey, I used to be that way too, or I used to feel that way as well. I have a childhood, a childhood similar to that. But let me tell you about Jesus because he changed everything for me. Mm-hmm. And so I think for us as Christians, it's not that we... You are a light because of the way that you're going to be working, but also our conversation should always look to like, how do I bring Jesus into this? And how do I point them to Jesus through what they're talking about, what we're talking about? Because that's what, that's our message. That's what we preach. So I think that's one way to just, how do I bring him in? And before you go to work, Lord, help me to find ways mm, yeah. and look for avenues to bring you into the conversation with my coworkers. Yeah. So I think that would be a, a yeah. good way. I think having an understanding is, as Jesus would say during his ministry, he said, my father is already working. Mm-hmm. And he, Jesus had an understanding that every town he went to, God was already working in the hearts of people. Mm-hmm. It was just his responsibility to be walking in the spirit and to have his eyes open to see the need. So that way when the father revealed the need, Jesus saw it and, and recognized it and, and was able to meet it and mm-hmm. to meet that person's need. And I think in the same way in our Christian life, to understand that even in these secular areas of life where we might be outnumbered, whether it's at school or at a, a workplace, or um, even maybe in your house, you're, yeah. maybe you're the only one that's given your life to the Lord. It's, it's good to understand that God is already working when you aren't, mm-hmm. that he's working behind the scenes. It's not all dependent upon you. So God is already working in people's hearts. And as you, as you live it out and as you live out um, the gospel and, and you are just, like you said, Andrew, you're, you're already a light, um, a changed life, a beacon, a lighthouse. People might scoff at you. People might make fun of you. You know, Ephesians, Paul says that light, one thing that light does is it exposes sin. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's the reason why people, you know, mm-hmm. bark back so hard at Christians in secular areas and in workplaces is because your light 
exposes something that they've done in the dark for so long and they love the fact that it was hidden and when conviction sets they immediately put up the defense but when you are faithful to consistently love and consistently live righteously and, and under the spirit and just love people and being kind and all these things you know the truth is life hits everybody the reality of life, Mm -hmm. the turmoil of life, loss, heartbreak, death, confusion, depression. These, that's just what life is. And when life hits those unbelieving coworkers, more often than not, the people that they turn to are you, Mm -hmm. the one who is a Christian, the one who, um, and I mean, I I can count even in my own life when I used to work a secular job at the mall, um, back in Texas. And, just by the way I lived, I remember people, you know, would say stuff and crack jokes and all that. But when like life got serious and people's family members were in the hospital with cancer and stuff, like they would come up to me and they'd be like, Hey, like, you know, in the back room, like, can you pray with me? Like, can you pray for my grandma? Cause she's, and it's like, it would sometimes come out of nowhere because I'm like, Whoa. But like, you understand God's working, Mm -hmm. recognize those opportunities and allow the Lord to use you to share the gospel and to be ultimately a light that way. Yeah. I like what you said, Zach, like about, um, you know, that, that light exposing, you know, and, and, um, Jesus said in John 16 about, you know, he's like, it's good. It's advantageous for you that I leave so that the comforter will come. And when the comforter comes, what he's going to do is he's going to convict the world of righteousness, um, sin, judgment, and we being a temple of the Holy Spirit, as we are just living the gospel, that may be in deed, that may be in word, however the Lord kind of puts it on our heart for a particular person or a day, you know, as we're just living, the Holy Spirit inside us convicts the world of, of sin and, and, yeah. and they don't like that. And so a lot of times I think that's why Jesus warned us, hey, don't put your light under that basket. The light is meant to shine. It's supposed to yeah. give... Um, you know, that, that light, that warmth, and that comfort to the whole house. And so I think what Jesus was saying there was, hey, hey, be careful. You know, make sure that we aren't, and specifically for us, putting our light under a uh, under a basket, covering it up because of what the world might do back at us. And so, yeah, I think that's really, really important to, to remember. And then, um, you know, and then for me, too, it's it's not getting too complicated, you know, because I'm like, man, like, what? how can I do this? Or how can I approach this person? And, you know, I really start to plan. And, and, you know, it reminds me what Jesus said in John 15, being the true vine. You know, and if we're just connected to him, he is going to bring the increase. He's yeah. going to bring the fruit in our lives. And people will see that fruit. Like you said, whatever mm-hmm. happens in our lives, um, whether it's through suffering or difficulty, um, you know, the things that maybe our coworkers know what we're going through and they see how we handle it. That's that's a that's a reason for them to approach us and say, hey, what I saw how you handle this particular situation. You know, how did how did that happen? And I've had that numerous times working, you know, in the workplace. And it's a perfect opportunity to say, hey, it's the Lord in me. The hope there's a reason that I have this yeah. hope in me. And it's it's only through the, the work of Jesus in, mm-hmm. in my life. And so I would say for anybody that you know, is really desiring, I would say first and foremost, that desire is awesome, that they want to be a light in the workplace. But I would say stay connected to Jesus, and he's mm-hmm. going to bear that fruit in your life. Yeah. And um, yeah, so. Totally. That, that's a good point you bring up, because it's so easy to think of this as like, oh man, a step-by-step procedure of, of things I need to do mm-hmm. to be a light, but rather 
a light is just a light mm-hmm. because it's connected to the source. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it's connected to the Holy Spirit. Um, it's, it's in relationship with Jesus. And, um, and that's something that's just a natural byproduct of your relationship with God, of the fact that you are changed and you are redeemed and you are saved. And like you said, Matt, you do have this hope inside of you. Just naturally, this this will come out of your personality. You know, it's not something that you should try and force. Like, oh, mm-hmm. let me try and like, and you're like become that annoying person that just cuts everyone's conversation off because you're right. like, oh, did you hear about the Church of the Outlets? And you're like cutting people <laughs> off, and you're like, because then people are like, dude, this guy's super rude. Like, yeah. you know, like yeah. one thing that I always admired about, like in the Book of Acts, about Paul, whenever he visited a Jewish synagogue, it said that when he would go there, he would sit down, and he would he would let the the talk. rulers speak, and then. And then they would see him and then say, oh, do you have anything that you need? Like he was yeah. invited into yeah. the, he, he wasn't in a sense like overstepping his bounds where he was being rude to Making people. Making that the conversation. Yeah. 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 And um, Paul was very respectful of people, both yeah. um, of, of Jews and Gentiles. And I think that's a good witness tool too, to where you're just, hey, just be respectful of people, you know, um, hear them out, let people share yeah. what they believe in, listen to them. Yeah, it's like the motive is great, but we can often use the wrong method, you know, yeah. and Jesus said they hated me without a cause. And so I think it's awesome to suffer persecution just as Jesus did without a cause. But I think it's a shame when we give people cause <laughs> to because it was annoying yeah, of our stupidity, of how we <laughs> approach it, you know, yeah. and I think like for some people, it's just they're excited, you know, but it, it's also, you know, we need to obviously do it with tact and yeah. and you know, be temperate. But one last point I wanted to make too about what, you know, Andrew reminded me uh, when he was talking about, um, you know, praying too at the start of the day saying, hey, Lord, send somebody who needs to hear the gospel. Send somebody yeah. who needs encouragement. Mm-hmm. You know, Jesus said, hey, if you, um, greater works you guys will do. And if you ask anything in my name, it's going to be done. And so, um, you know, what he's saying there is like praying in a way that is lining up with his character. So Jesus would pray for that. He would say, hey, I want to have the opportunity to speak into someone's life, to share the gospel. And so, um, you know, praying in a manner at the start of the day saying, hey, Lord, uh, I know there's people out there that need you. And so um, even if I have one moment just to to speak into somebody's life, um, allow me to be sensitive to the leading of your spirit and lead me to that person. Yeah. And so I think praying in, in, in that way, the Lord, man, he's going to honor that, you know. So would you say like, just obeying what God's word says helps you to be a light in your workplace too. Just, I mean, obviously, yeah. I mean, just, God's word is is a light. So just, I think if you're like, how do I be a light? Well, just live out live out what you're reading in, the, in God's word. Obey God's word. I think that's a great way too. Just, Sorry, I didn't mean to like. No, put you down. Obviously, well, what a thing. stupid answer that was. I mean, <laughs> clearly this person knows that. Idiot. Sorry. <laughs> But I get, I get what you're saying. Yeah, I get yeah. what you're saying. But it's, it's, it's like, sometimes we overcomplicate it. We gotta have to. Yeah, and then you have to say yeah. it. Yeah, you gotta say it out loud. Like, hey, just do what the word says. Yeah, because that's gonna be counterculture, and it's gonna yeah. be it's gonna it's gonna you're gonna shine as a light because it goes against what culture does. Yeah. yeah. So that's true. Obey God's word. It's the truth. Yeah. Live God's word. Live God's word. Don't just be a hearer. Read God's word. Be a doer. Yeah. yeah.
question. <laughs> Next question. A listener asks, what is the difference between repenting and getting saved and returning to God? So I think they're asking the difference between these three things. I was trying to, de- to kind of decipher what, um, what exactly the... Because it's kind of worded a little strange. But I think they're asking to define the difference between repenting as one, getting saved as one, and returning to God okay. as one. Do you think we could make up, make up like where these questions are coming from? Make up? Yeah, like, like this question is coming to us from Grand Rapids, Michigan. We can. <laughs> let's do it. Okay. Let's Bring try it one more time. Ready? Go. Straight from the hills of Kentucky and the... <laughs> Cornfield line of you know where. The coal mines. The coal mines. <laughs> and the roosters are crowded and the cows are in the pasture. Yeah. Straight out of Straight from, uh, from Grand Rapids, Michigan. Straight from Sioux Falls. Sioux Falls. Where's Deep in the hard Texas. Yeah. Coming out of Brentwoodville, Texas, doohickey. Bada bing, bada boom. All right. We'll let our esteemed guest answer this one first oh, as well. Man. We always let the guest go well, let's, first. Let's 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 take turns breaking no, those do down. That. Okay. Let's take turns because I think it's gonna it'll make the conversation flow real easy. How would you guys define repenting? What scriptures will you think of? What how would you define that? What does it mean to repent? Repenting is um, an acknowledgement of hey, I'm a sinner, I need a savior. And I'm willing, and I think that's really the key word, is I'm willing, because it's not an emotional thing. It's an act of the will. I'm willing to turn from my sin. I'm mm-hmm. willing to, not that I'm doing it in my own strength, but I'm willing to surrender and yield to the Spirit of God and turn from my sin. And, mm-hmm. I, and repenting, that's really what it means in the Hebrew. And, and just, hey, it's completely turning around and going the opposite way. Yeah, and so you know, there's that moment when um, you realize, man, I need a savior, and man, the, just the acknowledgement of what Jesus did on the cross—that there is there is this avenue that I can take to be saved—and it's just this wonderful um, moment you come to. And so, in a sense, you do have these emotions, and like, man, Jesus saved me, and I'm 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 so thankful for that. But then also comes that realization of like, man, okay, I'm no longer living the old life. I'm no I'm turning from that. And and the the scripture that came to my mind was first Corinthians six, you know, where Paul talks about he says, you know, do you not know that the unrighteous um, will not inherit the kingdom of God? And he says, do not be deceived and then he or deceived. And he says, neither fornicators, idolaters, um, adulterers, homosexuals, sodomites, thieves. He he lists all of these things. And then in verse eleven, it says, And such were some of you. Mm-hmm. And he says, But you were washed you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus by the Spirit of our God. And so for me, that repentance is just turning and allowing God to wash us. Say, okay, Lord, I'm, I want you to wash me. I'm not yeah. going to live this life anymore. Mm-hmm. There's that contrast. And so repentance does have an, um, I love that you put, pointed that out because it's more than just confessing. It's, there's an action involved. It's a, it's acknowledging sin for what it is seeing sin really as god sees sin because we have a skewed view of even our own sin where we might justify it because of circumstances or whatever but seeing sin the way god sees sin confessing it 
And then it, that action of repentance, you know, like you said, it means a 180 degree turn mm-hmm. away from that mm-hmm. in your life, you know, and, and thank God that we have repentance. You know, I, I really believe that repentance is something that is daily for the Christian. <laughs> yeah. I mean, even mm-hmm. before this podcast, I had to repent. <laughs> wow, I got a little Chuck Smith right there. Did, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, oh, my. Uh, I had to repent. And we need to. You know, Kay and I, uh, at one point. Repent every day. <laughs> yeah. But it's, you know, repentance is something that applies to the unbeliever who desires to give their life to Christ, but um, is a daily, I believe should be a daily practice of Mm -hmm. the believer in Christ. Um, uh, And I'm so thankful for verses like 1 John 1, 9. I probably quote this verse too much on this podcast, but it's just such a great promise where 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he, meaning God, is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so I would say repentance is like that. You know, we as Christians are still sinners, mm-hmm. you know? Yes, we're called saints. Yes, we're called priests. Mm-hmm. And yes, we're called God's people and his children, but we still mess up. We mm-hmm. sin, you know? And if you don't believe it, I remember hearing this analogy. It's like, you ever like, you know, here at San Juan, like we love to wear dark t-shirts, like yes. black is kind of like the color around here. The uniform. Yeah, yes. we love it. We love it. It's you know? slimming. It's not, yeah, it's slimming. It's slimming. Yeah. <laughs> is that why we're That's why I wear it. Yeah. <laughs> but if you ever put on a white t-shirt, I remember one day putting on a white t-shirt, and like at the end of the day, I was like, man, I have like this ketchup stain on it, and like <laughs> this is why there's like hairs work. everywhere, and yeah. like like little stains and stuff like that, and I was like, why, why is it the one day that I wear a white t-shirt, I'm so dirty? And, but that's not the truth. The reality is I'm always dirty like that. <laughs> hey, Just able to block it a little easier. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the reality is, is I'm, I'm, it's, that stuff happens always. It's just when it's in a place where I can see it, yeah. it's more visible, like in that case of a white t-shirt. And, and I think that applies to the Christian life. You know, sometimes when we put ourselves in view of God's word, that's why it's important that we need to read God's word every day, be in the spirit, walk in the spirit, because then we're able to see, man, we need Jesus every day. Mm-hmm. And repenting is a gift that God gives us to, oh, man, Lord, cleanse me of that. I'm so sorry. Oh, I really blew that. Oh, I really shouldn't have said that. I did that today. And I'll, there's something that I said, and <laughs> I won't say who it was to, but I, I just snapped. I was like, oh, and then I, and then I said something, and I was like, oh, God, forgive me. <laughs> I'm such an idiot. Why did I say that? Amen. You know, and um, yeah, so... <laughs> Sorry, Andrew. That was it's, to you. No, it's okay. I forgive you. It's all right. I, you know, I had a moment of tears, and that's like, how would you yeah. define repentance? Repenting. It's a matter of the will. Like honestly, and we always pray, like God, we want we want Your will for our life, and this is God's will for our life that we would turn from our sin and walk with Him. And so, unrepented sin is un. It's sin that you've continued in that you're unwilling to turn from that's a you know unrepentance and mm-hmm. it actually can hinder your prayer life it can hinder your relationships with other people and that's why god says you need to it's a matter of our will like we want to match our will with god's and so mm-hmm. um and so that's i want to turn that like okay god i've been going on my own path going my own way which we know 
from scripture, that's idolatry. Yeah. You know, so I don't, I don't want to keep doing that. I want to do your way, your will. And so I need to turn from my sin and I need to go yeah. your direction. Yeah. So, and we're, par- we're parents. Amen. We all are here. Mm-hmm. And we know there's a difference between really being True. sorry for when yeah. your kids are sorry for what you, they've done and mm. just saying sorry because they got caught. Oh, yeah. You know, and, and repentance isn't that. Repentance isn't because your sin got found out right. and you're like, oh, I guess I'm sorry. You yeah, know, my like, bad. But yeah. there's no, like you said, Andrew, there's no will behind yeah. it. Yeah. There's no desire for, for a change. That's when you have to break their no, it's <laughs> true. You have a strong-willed child, yeah. and that's what you're battling. It's like you're doing it your way, and and it's wrong. You cannot yeah. do it that way anymore. And I, I'm and you're constantly battling with that. It's it's a matter of will. Like, will you come under the authority of your parent? Right, just like us with God. Like, or God's you're going against God's will, and you're not repenting of your sin. And God's saying. At some point, I'm gonna to have to break your will, like, and and it's not fun. Rather than going through that, wouldn't it be nice to just recognize that you're going the opposite way, repent, mm-hmm. turn, yeah. and come back under the the uh, the authority of the Lord and the kingship of Jesus? And but God's so patient, like that, and He's patient to wait, and He's kind. It's His kindness. The Bible says that leads us to repentance, mm. and so because God That's is good, good and He's kind. Like repent, like yeah. it's it's so much better God's way. Mm. I think that's where we we really doubt and really struggle with sometimes. It's like, is it is God really that good? Yeah, yeah. is it really going to be the most beneficial way? Because I think my way is the best. So, yeah. repenting would be a matter of the will. Nice. And so moving on to the the second one. Mm-hmm. So that's repentance. Now, how would you define getting saved? Getting saved. That would entail that you're yeah drowning. Mm-hmm. Or like perishing, right? If you need to be saved, that means that you're perishing. So the Bible tells us that sin is what separates us from God and ultimately leads us away from God. And so salvation, or where we get that term like being saved, comes from the idea that when we cry out to God and we say, God, help me, God saves. And that we're rescued from hell, we're rescued from darkness, and we're brought into life and we're brought into light and brought into relationship with God. And the, the medium in which we're to do that, or the way that we're supposed to do that, the avenue is the cross, that we believe in Jesus as our Lord, as our Savior. Um, we confess him as Lord and Savior. The Bible says, believe in your heart and you shall be saved. And so that Christ was raised from the dead, believe in your heart and you shall be saved. So that's what it is. Like to be saved means that you were perishing. You've cried out to God. You've confessed him as Lord and Savior. You've believed in your heart that God has raised Jesus from the dead, the Bible says you are now saved. And that's what that is. Part of that process is repenting. Yeah, um, It's turning from sin. And so or maybe this person's been at the outlets and they've heard Pastor John be like, hey, if you want to repent, you want to get saved, or you want to come back to the Lord, or you're returning to God, come mm-hmm. forward. Maybe that's maybe where this that's is coming from. Kind of like, yeah. Well, what's yeah. the difference? Getting saved and repenting go together. Obviously, there's a, there's a turning from your sin and saying, okay, God, I need you, and um, coming back to the Lord. And so being saved is the process in which our soul is no longer perishing in hell, and that's the ultimate destination for it. But it's changed. Now we're, our destination is with Christ in heaven. Um, we're brought back in the family, relationship with him, and it's all by faith and uh, making that confession of faith in Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And then repenting comes from... And you start to walk with Jesus after that. Yeah. I'm turning away from my old ways, 
turning away from those things because now I want to walk with Jesus in this new life that God has given me where I was dead, sins and trespasses, I made alive in Christ because I got saved. So long story, long answer short, long yeah. short, short answer long. Yeah, I think you, you took all the words out of my mouth there. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I really like that that scripture in Romans where it talks about, you know, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And, mm. you know, that, that word believe, you know, like really putting your confidence in, putting your trust in, putting your whole weight into what God has done, the outlet per se, he has provided for salvation. And by the way, it's the only outlet, (laughs) the only way Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life. And so, you know, and like you said, Andrew, like it's that, that process, like repenting is like, oh man, acknowledging that, okay, I have sinned before God and that I am alienated, alienated before God. I I can't get in right relationship and fellowship with him. Uh, my sin has done this. It's it's all what I have done. I have that sinful nature, and you know the Bible says there's no none righteous, no not one. Uh, none seeks after God, and and so, but when I get to that point where I'm like, oh man, and I realize that, and then it's turning from that lifestyle, that way of sin, not no longer letting sin be my master, but turning to the only way that is provided by God and that's through the finished work of Jesus. And so for me, it's like that step. It's like, okay, I'm acknowledging, oh man, I'm a sinner. Uh, my sin has alienated me from God. I'm repenting. I don't know. I no longer want to live that, um, that way anymore. Uh, but how do I be saved? How do I um, be reconciled to God? And that's only through Jesus. Like you said, Andrew, how's my soul saved from uh, paying the penalty for my sin in hell? And that's through, through Jesus. And so um, yeah, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe, put your confidence, put your trust, put your whole weight, your whole life uh, into that, um, you know, the, the work that um, God did through Jesus on the cross, mm-hmm. you know. So. Yeah. Um, so repenting is a daily action and being saved is kind of like a, a singular action yeah. from a point that causes a, a life of walking with Christ mm-hmm. and repenting through that you know because we're still sinners i like how you guys said that i wanted to read this verse in relation to being saved in ephesians 2 1 through 3 this is what paul says paul says and you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked following the course of this world following the prince of the power of the air the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. And to me, I'm like, that's a great definition of what it's like before getting saved. Yeah. You know, yeah. that's a great, you were, sure. you're dead. Dead in trespasses and sin, not, a, not awakened to the spirit in the sense. Right. Not awakened to God. And you walked following the course of the world. Whatever everybody did, whatever the culture did, whatever the world did, you did it. Like a it, dead fish. Yeah, de- yeah, you floated with the stream, man. <laughs> yeah. All the way down. And you just went all the way for it. And, you know, it says you followed the prince of the power of the air. Speaking of Satan, man, you were Satan's puppet. You thought you were free. You thought you were making your own decisions, doing what you wanted. But you were a slave to your own desires and your own sin. You did what your sin told you to do. Your sin said, jump, the, jump and you said, how high? You know, like you obeyed your desires and your sinful flesh. You did whatever your sin told you to do. And then he goes on and he says, 
We all once lived in that way, in the passion of flesh, carrying out desires of the body and the mind, and by nature, we're children of wrath, you know? But being saved is, a, is coming from a point after that, is re- realizing that you are dead, that you are dead, maybe, that you need Jesus, that you need hope, that you um, recognize that Christ did die on the cross for all of that junk and the future junk you're going <laughs> to, because you're still a sinner, you know, your past, present, and future sin, that one sacrifice for all, that he died for you, and that when you believe, you confess, like you guys have said, you're saved. Mm-hmm. It's a miracle of a moment, mm-hmm. you know? Sometimes it's super emotional. You see it for certain people. Yeah. Sometimes it's not. Pretty normal. You know, yeah. it's just yeah. it's just a simple prayer. Yeah. You know, and so um, it is a one time. I, I believe that. Yeah. It's a it's a it's a change of direction in life from death walking down death row, death alley, nightmare on Elm Street, whatever you want. <laughs> <laughs> no trick or treating here. Spectacular, spectacular <laughs> life. And moving on to the holy highway, man. The yeah. narrow path, the straight and narrow. You know, that's that's what getting saved. It's changing direction. Yeah. And so I think that moves into the next one. So defining returning to God. Yeah. How would you define returning to God then? Hebrews chapter 2 says, Therefore, we must give more earnest heed to the things that we have heard, lest we drift away. Um, and there is a sense of, um, in our Christian walk, there's there's a way where we can drift back into and kind of slide back into that old groove and rut of the old life when we return back to god it's at one point that means that you've if you're returning it means that you're you were there at one point and so now you're coming back you you're recognizing like i've kind of drifted Mm -hmm. in my relationship with the lord i feel distant from god even though he's not distant but in our soul like sin has separated us it's we've kind of like drifted back into the old way of living and um, you remember like, man, when I first got saved, this is how I was walking with Jesus. And, and I've drifted from that. I've kind of gotten away from that. And so yeah. I want to get back to where I was. I want to come back to the Lord and I want to get back into relationship with the Lord. And that's what the writer of Hebrews is, is encouraging the church is like, hey, don't drift back into the rut of your religion and, and back into the routine of Judaism. Like you've been called out of that. And so for the Christian is always that call, like, don't fall back into dead things and, like, the dead life that, you know, we've been saved from, but continue to move forward in our walk with Jesus. And so when when we ask someone, like, hey, if you want to return, meaning, like, I want to come back, I want a point of contact in which I'm saying, okay, I'm coming I'm coming to the Lord and saying, God, I'm, I'm not going to go. It's a, it's a form of repentance, too, of, like, hey, I'm coming back to that point. Like, I've drifted, but I don't want to drift anymore. I want to, I want to come back. And, you know, it's it's easy in like a, if you've ever been out surfing and, and out in the water and, and you're like just focused on what you're doing and there's a current, but you're not really paying attention to the current and very quickly, but you have no idea that it's happening. You're moving north or south, like just ever so slightly, but because you're not really paying attention or you're just paddling around, you're like, all of a sudden you look at the beach and you're like, whoa. I've drifted four four towers down or something, and it happens subtly. You don't notice it until suddenly something hits, and you're like, "Whoa, I'm not where I'm supposed to be." And I think that's what you know. Returning back to the Lord is like uh, it's slow. It's a slow process. It happens, and all of a sudden you have this moment of like, "Whoa, 
I'm not where I'm supposed to be with the Lord. I need to come back, which is cool that we have the opportunity to do that, man. We yeah. can say, God, forgive me. I'm coming back. Yeah. Just mm -hmm. like the prodigal son, the Lord's like, I've been watching, I've been waiting, I've been looking for you. Um, I never left. So, so cool. God's good that way. So I, I would say that's re the difference between returning. When, you know, when I was reading this question and just kind of meditating on it and, and thinking through it, I, I thought about Jesus, you know, washing the disciples' feet and where Peter says, you know, Lord, you will never wash my feet. And Jesus says, you know, hey, if, I, if you don't allow me to do this work in your life, you have no part with me. And then Peter says, well, wash all, all of me, my head, everything, just wash me. And Jesus says, I don't need to do that. I don't need to wash you. Only your feet need to be washed. And for me, that represents you've been saved, you've, re you've repented, you are a child of God. But as you walk through this world, you can pick up this defilement. You know, whether you're not, you're, you know, maybe it's at your workplace and you begin to kind of drift a little bit or maybe uh, put more time into, um, you know, things that aren't of God, you know, and, and um, you have that defilement that can separate you from God. You have no part with him. You have no fellowship with him. It's like David, you know, in, in the Psalms where he talks about when he kept his sin hidden, he didn't, he didn't confess it to the Lord that his vitality was sapped like mm -hmm. the drought of summer. Your energy's gone. You're just... You're just kind of living this, this, you know, pointless life per se, the Christian life. You're not living the victorious Christian life. And it's because there's that washing of your feet, in a sense, that needs to take place. The defilement that has kept you um, really out of fellowship with the Lord, um, that needs to be washed, you know. And, and, you know, if we confess our sins to one another, you know, you will be healed. You know, the God's faithful to forgive them. And so, but if we know we're in sin... And we allow that sin to take root in our heart. Um, it can alienate us from our fellowship with God. And so, mm -hmm. um, you know, going back to God would be confessing that sin to him and saying, Lord, thank you uh, that you that you've saved me. And, you know, and I'm sorry that I've allowed this sin to come into our relationship. And I've kept that there and I haven't confessed it. And I've let it kind of cultivate and take root in my heart. And so... You know, that's kind of how I look at it. You know, that John 13, like, hey, it's your feet. Like, you, you're walking through this world and, you know, kind of leaving your first love, how it talks in the book of Revelation. And, you know, Jesus even says there, go back and do your first works. Go back to remember, like Andrew was saying, like what you were on fire for the Lord. You were in Bible study. You were in fellowship. You were, you were serving. All the things that Jesus said to do, that he commanded us to do, and it was for our good. You know, Jesus said, hey, blessed are you if you do these things. If you serve one another and, and um, you know, we often don't do that and we, we kind of drift out of fellowship. And, you know, even in, in the book of Galatians where it talks about, you know, um, walk in the spirit and you will not, um, you know, gratify or give in to the desires of the flesh. And that word walk means to be occupied with. And there's times where in our life where we, we occupy our time with other things mm -hmm. and they're not of the Lord. And so we kind of like Andrew was saying, we drift and so I think coming back to God is when we realize that we've drifted and we've been occupied with other things, it's confessing it to the Lord and saying, Lord, um, I'm sorry. And, yeah. you know, that repenting we were talking about, doing that 180, going back to the Lord and, you know, having him clean us. You know, yeah. you've been washed by the word he talks about, mm -hmm. you know. And so, yeah, yeah. I don't know if that yeah. answers it, but. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. I know that the, um, I remember hearing, you know, the Bible when the Lord speaks, he says, return more than he says, turn to me. Mm -hmm. He says, return to me more than he says, turn initially. And, it, and it's this call of God. I mean, you look at the Israelites and 
what a history of returning back to the Lord and coming back and coming back and coming back. And, um, you know, it, it reminds me of this verse in Malachi 3, um, verse 7, which says, "Ever this is the Lord speaking, he says, ever since the days of your ancestors, you have scorned my decrees and failed to obey them. And then right here, now return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. And it's this beautiful picture that God paints that says when you return to him, that he's already there waiting like the prodigal son. Mm-hmm. Man, he, you know, and I think that's what it, that's a good definition of it is a prodigal son because yeah. before the prodigal son had everything yeah. that he needed in the father's house, but he chose to drift. Mm-hmm. He willfully chose to disobey, to chase after his own things, what he wanted to disown in a sense mm-hmm. himself. But as he, you know, it took him hitting rock bottom, eating out of a pig pen to realize that right he's like man my dad's place was so awesome they have even the servants eat better than this like Mm. and so and i love that story because he he's working up his speech as he's walking back to his dad's place and oh man the story's so great that as he's returning this you see this what it says in malachi as the prodigal son is returning the father sees him and he's like he's already returning back to him too Mm -hmm. and he runs to him and he and i love that there's no shame involved in returning it's not like you that's right you better come back boy you know like yeah like uh, you know you got to work your way back up to favor but it's like this welcoming like no you have my favor yeah Yeah. you are my child you've always been my child yeah like here's a robe here's a ring here's fresh sandals let's have a party like here's an awesome tri-tip you know like whatever barbecue cook party for you you know and just like oh like so undeserving and that's the beauty of 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 returning to the Lord because um, like you said, like both you guys said, it's really easy to drift. And I think it's possible, you know, it's like if you're not growing in your walk with God, more often than not, you're drifting away. Mm-hmm. You're drifting away. It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's never like stagnant. You're either growing closer or you're falling back. Mm-hmm. Um, it's never just in this place of like, oh, well, kind of in an easy middle where I'm not doing either. Yeah. Because yeah. um, to not grow is to drift kind of heard an interesting take on the prodigal son and, and it was positioned like kind of like to circle back you know like um you know being saved or being a prodigal you know being saved and just coming back to the lord and it it was positioned like well what's the difference between a pig and a prodigal you know a pig no matter how much <laughs> no matter how much you clean it uh, you put a, a nice suit on it clothes on it it's always going to want to go back to the mud it's always yeah. going to want to be in the mud that's where it, it feels most at home, but a prodigal may find themselves in the mud. They may find themselves in the mud of sin, but they're going to know, man, my father's house. Yeah. It was different. You know, like that person that is saved, I, it's like you're getting beat up by the world, by, by the enemy and beat up by, you know, the spirit, mm-hmm. you know, that's the Holy Spirit inside you says, hey, you're not where you're supposed to be. This is not what God has for you. This, the mud of sin and the just the 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 ruler of this world and being involved in the things of this world and it's really his spirit that draws us back saying hey like come back to me mm-hmm. you know we still have that choice to to answer that call or not yeah. but uh, kind of that difference like you have that person that is practicing sin they want to get better at it they want sin to pay him a wage you know the wages mm-hmm. of sin is death like they want to just get involved in it versus the prodigal who may find themselves muddied by sin but um, they know, hey, I need to return back to God because mm-hmm. it was so much, like you said, Zach, it was so much better at my father's house. Mm-hmm. You know, I've tried the, the the allure of sin, 
and it, it didn't pay. The promise yeah. of sin didn't pay, you know, yeah. but man, my, my father pays, you know, yeah. just with blessings of, you know, just joy and peace and all that stuff. And yeah. So, so yeah. we see repentance is, is involved in, in all. It's re- right. we, we, repentance turning 180 degrees away from sin, calling sin for what it is, and in action. It's involved in getting saved, and when you were once dead, and you now you, you give your life to Christ, a new um, trajectory. And then returning to God and repenting also involves in that because you can't be walking with the Lord and then you drift or you go, in a sense, to the, you're the son that goes into the pig pen yeah. and you remember and you, and thankfully God offers that and he calls out to, to those who are prodigals and, you know, and he says, return. And maybe even you're listening to this right now and you're, you're not where you used to be in your walk with the Lord. Take this as God calling to you and saying, return. Return, come back to me, and I will return mm-hmm. to you. Mm-hmm. And to that last question that kind of comes off of that is, you know, and I really think that the person asked this because of what happens at the outlets. Because mm-hmm. if you're not part of um, our church, we do an out. Uh, our Sunday service got moved to the outlet mall, the parking lot at the at the outlet mall in San Clemente, and it's it's been amazing. We've been there for 44 weeks, and. Mm-hmm. It's been crazy, and every time, every Sunday morning, John gives an opportunity for people to come out um, or to come up and give their lives to Christ. There's a there's a gospel presentation given, and then opportunity for people to give their lives and respond to it. And so this person asks, "Do you have to go up to be saved?" In a sense, I'm I'm assuming to an altar call or to yeah. something of that sort. Like, do, is that necessary? For salvation and Andrew, I cut you off in the middle of this one, so I'm gonna at, let you take it. I was asking you guys a question. Well, I was too bad. I was like, you have the answer, so I was setting it up so you could spike it down. <laughs> but um, do you have to go up? Um, no, you. There's nothing magical about walking forward. Like there's no there's no transforming spiritual thing that happens. Um, you can, if you're listening to this now and you want to get saved, you could ask Jesus in your heart right now and confess him as Lord and Savior and be saved. What what calling people forward is, and our pastor says it every week, is like, why would you do that to me? Like, if I want to get saved, why would you call me forward in front of all these people? And he always says, Jesus always called people openly and publicly to come forward to identify with him. But it's not only a place of identifying with like, yes, I, I'm I'm taking this step towards Jesus in a literal sense, like I'm going to go stand there. But just because you stand there doesn't mean that like, if you don't walk with Jesus after that, but you stood in front of, in front of a stage, that doesn't mean anything. It's a, it's a matter of the heart. But I believe that the state, like coming forward and standing there and saying like, okay, I'm accepting Jesus into my life. It's a point of contact, uh, a point of contact in which the, our faith can be released. Yeah. Um, just like the woman who grabbed onto Jesus's garment, it was a point of contact for faith for her. Um, and there's something that happens there that that is more than I could understand myself of the release of power from God and all that stuff. But but no, you don't have to go for it. Even C.S. Lewis, it says that he was saying how he got saved, and he says he didn't believe, but he got into like the sidecar of his brother's motorcycle. And he didn't believe when he got in, but when he finally got to the destination and got out, he did believe. And so he didn't go forward or anything, but something happened. It just like it clicked for him. And he was like, mm-hmm. I, I believe. And, and so do you have to go forward? No. But I would say if you're feeling the Holy Spirit telling you 
and you're like, I don't need to go up there. Obey the Holy Spirit and identify with Jesus mm-hmm. um, and go and like stand yeah. because everyone in that crowd is like all for you mm-hmm. and they're, they want to yeah. rejoice with you and, and to come alongside of you. Yeah. So do you have to? No, you don't have to. But I would say if God's calling you in that moment to do yeah. that, then do it. Yeah. You know, why wouldn't you mm-hmm. if you yeah. really want to get saved? It is like, a blessing. But that's not what saves you, standing yeah. in front or going down on the field of the Harvest Crusade. Like, it, it's what you say to God. It's it's that expression of your heart. Like the Bible says, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. Mm-hmm. no Nowhere in there does it have a point of contact yeah. where you have to stand to do yeah. that. It just says those those two elements have to have to come into play. Yeah. Um, you know, confessing with your mouth, believing in your heart. So I would say you don't have to. That's not the the requirement for salvation. Mm-hmm. But it's definitely cool to be able to say like that was the moment in which I stood and gave my life to Christ. Yeah. So Yeah, it's I mean, you said it really well. It's a point of identification. You know, and I think in you know, the Bible doesn't list, like you said, the Bible doesn't list that in its right. requirements for getting saved. It's not like, right. you must confess, believe, and walk up on an altar call. It's like, <laughs> no, it doesn't say that. Yeah. And that's good that you that you brought that up. Um, it doesn't say that you don't have to do that. Um, but like you said, going up to an altar call uh, is a point of identification. And to me, it reminds me of, I mean, when you read the book of Acts, their point of identification was baptism. Right. So it's kind of like that. Right. In a sense, it's like right. you know, baptism back then, uh, and still is today, A it's supposed to be a symbol of identifying with Christ. That you, The old right. you is buried as you're dunked under the water, and as you're brought up, it's like the new you is being raised. It's a, it's a model and example of your life mm-hmm. being buried with Christ and r- rising again with, with Jesus. And so um, you're absolutely right. You don't have to go up to get saved. Is it a blessing when you go up to get saved? Totally. People are there to pray with you. And there's also one thing that some people don't like, but it provides accountability, yeah. which is what you need. And so I would say, like, if you if you didn't go up, don't miss out on that Tell accountability. Somebody, yeah. Tell someone, reach out to the church that maybe you're a part of or where you did give your life to the Lord and in your heart you did confess or maybe someone that brought you to church or whatever. Um let them know because you need that accountability yeah. because sin within you now there's a war and this and sin's going to yeah. want to drag you mm-hmm. back down to yep. what you and so we need that accountability of not only accountability but discipleship you need like we need that and so um so when you go up there's that blessing of that of prayer and accountability and discipleship and and identification in that yeah, I think, Zach, you bring up a good point, you know, just in that that discipleship, being accountable, being a part of the body of Christ, you know, where it says um, in God's Word, it talks about, um, you know, do not despise the day of small beginnings. And I think somebody who doesn't despise the day of small beginnings is the enemy, mm-hmm. is the devil. He often will really just try and trample a believer right when they get saved, fill them with doubts, get them isolated from the body and really try to get them to um, just really just, you know, just be doubtful and fearful and all those things. And so I think it's really important that, um, you know, there is that accountability. There is that, um, you know, um, coming into the body of Christ, being a part of the body of Christ. I mean, I think it says in Proverbs, like the man who isolates himself seeks his own desire, you know, and so you really want to just 
really get plugged in, be a part of the body, the true vine, you know, just where, um, you know, where the sheep are, where, yeah. where the good shepherd is and he's doing a work. And so, um, no, but Andrew, that was awesome. That, that helped me. <laughs> I'm so, saved now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! It so happened. I'm like, I know, I don't. <laughs> Let's snap into a slam jam and get, get on with it. Sorry, that's a good answer though. No, I appreciate that. Third and last question here. This one's a long one. I'm going to read it all. Okay. So this one, this question asks... Where's this question coming from? This question is coming from... <laughs> where is this question coming from, Andrew? I think this question is coming from Tampa Bay, Florida. Ooh. All the way from across the... Uh, a Bucks fan? <laughs> Super Bowl champions? They're finally coming out of the woodworks. Is this Tom Brady? <laughs> Tom? You'll goat you. You'll go- <laughs> so this question says... How do you balance planning ahead slash using wisdom and trusting in the Lord? I see my friends and siblings who have kids planning ahead more and really seeking the Lord on where to be and what to do with the way the world is going. And I'm just trusting the Lord more carefree, probably because I'm single and I don't have a family to worry about. I also think it's because I can get very overwhelmed when I try and plan ahead or think about the future. So it would be great if you could respond slash discuss. <laughs> I don't know, dude. <laughs> Andrew, do you get overwhelmed know. when you plan oh for the future? <laughs> I get super overwhelmed where I'm like, dude, I can't even handle. I can't handle like my planning meeting with my wife where she's like, let's look over our calendar or let's look over the week. I'm like, I can't think that far ahead. Like I have to just go day by day. It's sad. <laughs> it's so bad, but it's, it's true. Like, you you had some good points on it yesterday. We were talking about we all have the same amount of time and not letting the 24 hours that you have control you or like hit you in the face and now you have to deal with it, but more of like you, you're the one who's engaging that time and so you're the one who's setting the standard for it, which I'm more on the other side where I'm like, I have this day, like let's see what happens and I'm just going to hit the task as they come, <laughs> which is probably not the best thing to do. But... Proverbs does say, Proverbs 16 says, so if you're like, hey, should we plan? Is it against the rules? No, it's not against the rules to plan. Proverbs 69, in their hearts, humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. So God has set up for us, like it's okay to plan. Like birds fly south for the winter. Um, within nature, there's like already plans set in motion, but like some kind, sometimes... We change that. Things happen. Yeah. Would you say that God has created us oh, with seasons that, uh, and rhythms of uh, yep of uh, instinctually within us that like we need to have that balance of spontaneity, but as well being wise and planning and like yeah the future. Yeah. No, I think it's it would be unwise for us not to have something planned, but at the same time. The Bible says that a man plan like you could you could plan out tomorrow, but it's not promised to you tomorrow. Mm-hmm. 
It's not that it's wrong to have a plan. It's wrong to worship the plan Ooh. and like, God, I'm doing this. Like, and you're... You better bless it. Yeah, bless <laughs> what I'm doing. Yeah. yeah. So I think as someone who, like when you read that question, I'm overwhelmed by just thinking about planning for my kids and stuff like that. Yes, I do freak out. And it's hard for me to even see that far into the future, even next month. Um, it is overwhelming. But like, I think what they're seeing is like people who are like, hey, I have to plan in, in order to have quality time with my wife, quality time with my kids, and the life that we want to enjoy together. If we don't plan that out, then we're not going to have it. And it's just a dream. And unless you actually take action and like, and say like, this is what we're going to plan to do. Set or decide. It never happens. Mm -hmm. So I, yeah. I think you had a lot more to say on it and, than I did. Yeah. I mean, the question's asking, how do you balance the two? And I don't we know. talk about this all the time, you know, what the, <laughs> you know, like trying to balance the two, you know, sometimes you, you weigh one way or the other um, a little too much and, you know, planning ahead and using wisdom, like that's, that's a good thing. God gave you a brain. You should use it. Mm -hmm. You shouldn't be um, someone who's foolish and, and doesn't, and doesn't plan. Jesus even speaks poorly of those. He says, who don't count the cost of discipleship. He says right. it in that sense of yeah, like following sure. him. He's yeah. like, he's like, if you don't count the cost, you're, you're an idiot. That's Zach's paraphrase. <laughs> that's, the, that's the ZSV. Yeah. Well, what, but, and too, like having aspirations for your life or, um, what's the word? It's not aspiration, goals, but it's like dreams, goals, not dream. What is the word? What is the word? Vision? Achievements. No, it's like, it's biblical. I forget. Keep going with your, your thought. I'm going to look this up. Okay. Well, Andrew looks that up. Yeah. And so it's good to plan ahead. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I, one verse that speaks, speaks to me in this a lot and it's in the Proverbs and there's so much wisdom in the Proverbs. This is in Proverbs 24, 27. Um, it says, prepare your work outside and get everything ready for yourself in the field. And after that, build your house. And it's this idea of like, before you build a house, before you go after a task or something that you're desiring to do, you got to measure it up. You got to measure it up, get your supplies ready in the field, it says, before you start laying the foundation. And I think sometimes when we treat our lives like you said, Andrew, where it's just day to day and you just kind of take it and you're like, I'm just going to show up to the job site <laughs> unprepared and start whacking away and building a house and building a shack, you know, and you're like, oh, you know, and God gives us wisdom that it's, hey, it's good to plan. It's good to prepare. But I like how you said that, Andrew, we shouldn't worship our plan yeah, yeah. because ultimately when we do plan, God is the one who ultimately directs the course of our life mm -hmm. and what happens yeah. in our life. But there's an aspect to trusting the Lord yeah. in the moment. And even like this, this, this person says to be, <laughs> what do they say? To be carefree, probably because I'm single and I don't have a family to worry about. I think <laughs> there's, an a, there's an aspect of, of also living that way, of living as a pilgrim, of living loosely, yeah. you know, of, of holding everything that you do have with open hands. Yeah. And saying, Lord, it's yours, and I'm willing to go where you want to go, and to take the day as it as it comes. We do want to be that, and but balancing that man is 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 tough, and I think it comes with maturity. Yeah. I honestly yeah. think it comes with just trial and error, because mm -hmm. I think it's case by case. It's different, you know. Like for me to answer that question as a dad and as uh, as a husband, and it's a little bit different than someone asking it as a single, no family, um, young adult. 
What do you, you look like you have something to say, man. <laughs> say it. <laughs> Did you have that scripture you want to share first before? Yeah, but I can't think of the word that I was thinking. Oh, oh, okay. It's this word that it's not aspiration. It's like, uh, I cannot think of the word, it, but it's like along those lines of aspirations, but it's not. Starts with a V. Starts with a V? <laughs> Slim Jim? I don't know. It's, I can't remember. Victory? Yeah. Yeah. No, it's not. I can't remember what it is, but it's just talking about how, like, with your work, like, with your job, like, it's okay to have, like, this idea of I want to I want to work hard and this, these are the things I want to achieve. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, my gosh. I cannot think of the word. Game plan. Sure. We'll go that way. <laughs> we'll go game plan. I don't know. But I've always been the person who kind of, like, flies by the seat of their pants and like, oh, yeah, like, if that happens, it happens. And my wife's the opposite where she's like, no. she It drives her crazy that I don't have, like, like goals. And I just did the finger quotes, like, goals. Mm-hmm. And, I, and she's like, well, what's your goal? And I'm like, I don't know. Like, I don't have, like, this deep-seated passion to be, like, a CEO or be, like, the, you know, whatever. And it drives her crazy yeah. because that's – she's like, well, if we're going to get to these things, then we need to have a plan to get there. Mm-hmm. And I just have no, there's nowhere to go, so there's no plan to get there, and it drives her absolutely crazy. But with children and marriage and things like that, we have to have, we have to have a trajectory. Like you have to pray, God, what is your vision for my family? Is that it? Vision? It's not vision, but (laughs) but we'll go that way too. Like, what is God? What is your vision for my family? And and help me to have that vision. And then what is the plan to get to get there? Yeah. Like I want, Lord, I want to have my children walking with you. Like I want to, I want to water my wife with the word of God. I want to, you know, whatever. Yeah. Those things take thought and planning. And like we just did a family service and we handed out everything, like these little handouts to families as they came in. And it was seven tips to family devotion. And the first tip was make a plan and stick to it. <laughs> Did you write these up? I stole it from the internet. <laughs> make a plan and stick to it. So what they say is like, so make a plan. this isn't your advice. No, this is not my <laughs> advice. This is obviously, I'm learning. I have no idea how to do this. But it was like, the, it, it, she made the point, or the, whoever made the point, they were saying like, if you don't make a plan to do this, you'll never do it. It's true. So if you don't set aside time, you'll never set aside time. Like, you have to be intentional. Ah, mm, is that word right there. Oh. You got to be intentional about your life. Um, That's true, man. Especially with children and a wife yeah. or a spouse, like you, and even in just as a single person, yeah. you need to be intentional with your life. Like yeah. God has given you this gift of life, so don't waste it. Yeah, and there's so much that God, I would say, speaking directly to the single person without a family and, and all that. And, um, you have siblings who have kids and are planning ahead and you're kind of on your own world. Like I would specifically say, don't waste yeah. what God has given you for sure. Your time is a gift. Yep. And, and by planning, you're not wasting it. You're, you're setting these, these aspirations. Is that it? I think that's the word I said constantly. I kept okay. saying aspirations, but it's not aspiration. Um, you have these desires, these goals that you're wanting to seek after. And you're praying, Lord, direct my life, use me. I want to be used by you, right. you know, and it's, and I mean, the Bible condemns the sluggard, the slothful mm. person, the lazy person, 
You know, the Bible condemns that constantly, you know, and that's a fight even in being a young adult because it's so easy to just kind of just be like, I'm just not going to do anything. (laughs) I'm never going to do it. But like we want to be those that are using wisdom. We're planning. But at the same time, don't be so stern in those plans. Like, but also being like Pastor Chuck says, blessed are the flexible, for they (laughs) shall not break. Uh, You know, and so... (laughs) I'm really getting it today, huh? You are, man. You're, really, <laughs> you're proud of me. Yeah, dude, really, really well. So, um, yeah, so it's it's just one of those things that just, you, I mean, the spirit, like Jesus said, the spirit is like the wind. It goes where it wishes. We can't control it. We don't know where it goes for. And we need to live our lives that way because the spirit of God is moving through us. And you have to be, hey, take the day as it comes. That's true. You know, like yeah. Jesus said, worry about today. Get today. What is God calling you to be faithful to today? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. But it also is good and wise to plan for tomorrow, you know, to set these goals that, for one, that honor God and yeah. Yeah. and that and that pull you along further in your walk with the Lord and in your trajectory of life, like what your desire is to do, to go to school, like to get married, to travel, to move to a cabin and the valley of yosemite whatever you, you know you, whatever your desire is like it's true if it's it's never going to happen if you don't get right. there and i think andrew just had an epiphany why don't you the word i was looking for is ambition <laughs> oh that's it starts ambition. with a v ambition it's a v word vambition <laughs> it wasn't aspiration it was ambition christian ambition is often seen in like a negative like this person's so ambitious and like they just step on a, whoever and or they're like, they're very ambitious, meaning that they're kind of like a weasel, like a little taquachi <laughs> or whatever. I don't know what that means. But yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, like that's Nobody that's not a... <laughs> being ambitious is not a negative. Like there is such thing as Christian ambition. Yeah. And Paul talks about it in First Thessalonians. Yeah. He says, but we urge you, brethren, that you increase more and more. We talk about loving each other. And he says, and that you aspire to lead a quiet life, to mind your own business, and to work with your own hands as we commanded you, that you may walk properly towards those who are outside and that you may lack nothing. So Paul actually encourages us to have aspirations. And some of those aspirations are to take your job seriously, work hard. And, you know, like those are things that we should do. And if you're not doing that with a plan, then like you're kind of just floating around. Not to say that that's wrong, but you should have ambition. Like, what is your ambition? Mm-hmm. And and do that. Find out what that is now while you're young. Because when you get kids and a wife and you're like, I want to start my own, like, CrossFit company. Like, things get a little more difficult to do things like that because yeah. you do have responsibilities and you do have things that you have to steward. Mm-hmm. And their desires and their needs come before your own ambitions and aspirations. So, yeah, I would mm-hmm. say. Yeah, no, I think, wow. I mean, I'm just gleaning from the brightest minds here. <laughs> Ambition. Slam No, but I think, Zach, like you bring up a great point. Just having a loose grip. Just having a loose grip. I mean, you see that in Acts chapter 16 where Paul, you know, he wants to go to Bithynia. He wants to go to Asia. And the Holy Spirit didn't permit him. You know, he was flexible. He was like, okay, yeah. like, and he ends up in Macedonia. And so... You know, for me, yeah, I think there's totally a difference, you know, between obviously a family, you know, somebody who has a family and then somebody who's single. But I think one thing that should be should be at the root, obviously, or at the core of both of the uh, all Christians is that 
um, you know they're waiting on the Lord. And it reminds me of Isaiah chapter 40 where it talks about those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. And, you know, that word, that word wait doesn't mean to passively wait. It means mm-hmm. to actively wait. And, you know, back in the day, back in my day, <laughs> they'd say that. <laughs> in Porterville, in Porterville. <laughs> Back in Porterville. Back in Porterville, down the... <laughs> Is that where George the orange, lived? No, Pottersville. Pottersville. Uh, so the, the orange fields or, or yeah. orchards. <laughs> but no, when they would say, you know, like like when a when a guy was wanting to date a girl, you know, that 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 boy's waiting on that girl, you know. But that word meant to he was pursuing her. He was wanting to actively get to know her. And and so for us, like when we're waiting on the Lord, we are actively wanting to know who he is to f- figure out what he has for our life. And I think as we're doing those things, um, God really kind of gives us the steps, you know, of our life where our lives should be directed for our families, for our, our, the vision, you know, the work that he has for us. You know, Proverbs 16, three says, commit your work to the Lord and your thoughts will be established. It talks about not just your thoughts, but your plans, you know, the ESV, not the ZSV, (laughs) (laughs) the ESV renders it, your plans will be established. And so in Jesus modeled this for us. I mean, if you look at Mark chapter one, his disciples come to him and the Bible strictly says that he was alone in prayer, solitary time. And they tell him, hey, you should go over here where everything's happening. You know, there's a bunch of people and Jesus says, no, I need to go to these towns. Well, and there in the Greek, these towns really means like towns with no fences. Just these little podunk towns that are just... Portersville. Yeah, Portersville. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, just these little towns. But I believe that Jesus was able to get that direction because he was actively seeking the Father. Yeah. You know, they were in union. They were connected. And so I think yeah. as, especially as husbands, as fathers, as, and as somebody who's single... Like we need to be actively pursuing the Lord, waiting on Him, yeah. asking Him. And the Bible says, right, delight yeah. ourselves in the Lord. He'll give us the desires of our heart. Mm. Like for me, I never thought I would be in ministry. Never thought it in a thousand years. And, you know, but as I delighted myself in the Lord, I committed my way to Him. My plan was established. God mm. said, hey, I'm going to call you to this. And so, you know, I think we should do the same thing for our family. Like Newman was saying, like, hey, like, you know, God, how am I to be a steward for my family? Yeah. You know, and, and, you know, or even in singleness, like, Lord, that this is a gift. How am mm-hmm. I to, to be using it? And show me, Lord, what you, you know, want me to do. And so for me, it's just really committing it to the Lord. And, and um, but also, yeah, without a vision, the people perish. Like mm-hmm. having a vision, Lord, give me a vision. Like, what do, yeah. we, what, what do you, how do you want me to approach this or that? And so, mm-hmm. yeah, for me, it's just really waiting, waiting on him, you know, but yeah. actively waiting yes. on him, you know. Yeah, so it's good. That's good, you know, and I think something that'll get you sidetracked, and I can kind of even see it in this question is, don't compare yourself. Yeah, you know, don't compare yourself, especially to people in other seasons of of life, and and even people in the same season of life as you, other singles that are kind of doing their thing. Uh, you know, comparison is is a it's a thief of joy yeah. in your life, and you think, am I doing the right thing because I'm not doing what they're doing? Man, yeah. do what. Jesus told Peter to do, he said, what is that to you? You follow me. Mm-hmm. You know, like, don't yeah. worry about others. Yeah. You follow me and trust that, that even if, if you're, if you're overwhelmed about planning and the future, know that one of Jesus's titles is alpha and omega, yeah. that whatever is at the end, though it might overwhelm you, he's there. Mm-hmm. And, and he's yeah. there with you in the beginning and in the middle and all throughout it all. Yeah. And so he's in control of, um, of it all. And so we can just, take peace in that 
Absolutely. Amen. 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 Well, thanks so much for listening and sending in your questions here. If you want your question featured on our podcast, feel free to send it through to our Instagram at refuge underscore SJC, or you can email it to Pastor Andrew. Oh, you can? At Pastor Andrew. <laughs> At ccsjc.com. I hope you check those. I, I'll check it. I'll check it now more so. <laughs> we apologize if you've been uh, sending them in. You're like, where? No I, one's answering. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I hate email. <laughs> but I look forward to hearing from you. Yeah. Well, it's for those that, it's for those that listen maybe that don't have Instagram. For sure. And they want a question to get sent in. That's nice. why I threw that in there. Oh, yeah. I like it. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. So, <laughs> so if you're in the ages of 18 to 29... And you're down here in Orange County or even in surrounding areas. We'd love to have you join us in person for Refuge Young Adults on Thursdays at 7 p.m. here at the church in the Fellowship Hall. It's been awesome what God is doing on Thursdays. Come early. You can get some coffee from our coffee cart. You get to meet Vicky for the first time. We talk oh, about her girl. a lot. Girl. <laughs> have some worship. A uh, good Bible study from Pastor Andrew. And, um, yeah, and we'd love to meet you in person and not just have you hear our voices but also if you feel led you can rate and review this podcast or share it with a friend maybe this was like really blessed you and you're just like wow like so and so needs to hear this share it with them you know matt thanks for joining us this episode this it, it was really awesome it yeah it's such a pleasure to be here thanks for having Super me rad. yeah thanks, guys and thanks for you listeners for listening <laughs> whether do you're you do. driving or you're running or you're on the throne you're on the throne <laughs> from throne to throne well we'll catch you on our next episode of lightning rounds see you guys